0: to start, just because there is an extraordinary amount to get through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hi, Johnny. Nice
1: to meet you. Let's go.
0: Professor Rayford, I'm going to guess Gwyns, but it could be Ginn's.
1: Uh, Gwyn.
0: Ah, Gwyn with a, a silent S. Yeah, that's correct. Excellent. Like Jim McGwynn or Roger McGwynn, who are yeah. the same person.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Which I, I know you're a punk rather than a Laurel Canyonite, but you have lived in Southern California.
1: Yeah, I did. Um. I kind of see that part of the world as home in many ways. And we lived in San Diego and L.A.
0: Oh, glorious. I've been to San Diego, L.A. many times. I, In fact, just got off yeah, the phone with my dad. And I remember he always tells this story. I might as well tell it here in the football library uh, where we're talking about your book, Feeling Leads: Notes on Loving a Football Club from Afar. There's the plug. Just in case I forget to mention the book because we're going to get lost in, in the weeds of this conversation. And thank you for writing this book. It is better than fever pitch. But anyway, uh, we... Whoa, went. Whoa, whoa,
1: hold on. Say that again?
0: And, uh, it's better than fever pitch.
1: Wow. Oh, my God, for man. You sure. just made
0: my life. Yeah, it's... um wow. Yeah, well, as someone who used to go to Tottenham. <laughs> but I appreciate Arsenal aesthetically. I uh, We went to L.A., in I think 97 or 98 and we were driving back from San Diego or perhaps Laguna to um, LA to LAX and we were passing the Hollywood sign and we drove up and I said can we go a bit closer because the photo will be better dad was schvitzing because we might have missed the check-in but he drove up took the picture ran down and we got the plane so there exists a photo of mum my brother and me I in front of the Hollywood sign did you take a similar photo when you were there
1: Uh my i had a view, i lived in the hollywood hills for a while in a termite infested apartment and my the little window in my shower the view was the sign it was oh. a little too close for comfort to be honest with you
0: mm yeah that sounds like a horror movie and there are some wonderful name drops uh in your book feeling leads because this is a life very well lived um and You also list a lot of football literature. I have Stephen Leach's book, 20 Football Towns, that I'm ashamed that I haven't yet read. I just wanted to give it a lot of time. But this is a book that seems to have gone completely unheralded. So thank you for mentioning that book. I
1: think it's fantastic. I think the emphasis it places on the importance of space and location and local support is something that many who only watch the game by way of... You know, iPhones or computers or television just can't appreciate, and uh, that's right. Why I think that book is really important. It's a nice lesson of the importance of location for support.
0: Yes, he goes round, and it's psychogeography, which is my favorite thing to do. Which is so. If I were to go to Bloomington, and there may be people from Bloomington listening. We're talking, by the way. uh, This will go out on the tenth. The midterms are on the eighth. And uh, it's the 7th today. So have a nice last day of democracy. Um, enjoy it. Yeah, I
1: think, I think we lost that a long time ago, actually. Uh, yeah, it's a but slow yeah. drip.
0: You're a burning frog being boiled in a pan. It's uh, slowly and yep. lethally. Uh, but yes, Indiana University is where you are. You're a professor of cinema and media wow. studies. And we'll talk about your academic book as well uh, in the course of this chat. But there are several books that must be on your shelves and are in the football library. We've got Duncan Hamilton's fantastic Going to the Match, Simon Critchley's book, uh, what we talk about when we talk about football, the late Dave Roberts, 32 programs. Are you aware Dave passed away?
1: No, I, I mean, you said late? Uh, yeah. Is that recent?
0: Uh, I think a year ago. Uh, very, a cancer. Oh. Uh, he was ill for a while. But I was lucky to have him in the library and tell him how much I enjoyed his... Love of Bromley Football Club. I think he loved Bromley even more than you love
1: Leeds. (laughs) Well, that's really sad to hear. I think his book's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Uh, Played by Alan Davis in the film The Bromley Boys. And uh, Danny Gray. In fact, the day this goes out, uh, November 10, Danny Gray's third little book in his trilogy called The Silence of the Stands* comes out i don't know if you've got that on pre-order
1: i I do actually uh i'm anticipating it i have to say that his little books on bloomsbury they really were the impetus for me to write this book i I picked them up when i was in the uk at one point i devoured them on the flight back home and i was curious you know what's next i mean is he going to do more of the same of these little vignettes of kind of lost times and i'm happy he's doing something different And in a way, I think we almost, by osmosis, have this kind of shared project of longing and absence, but he's dedicated an entire book to it, where I've just dedicated little parts
0: of mine to it. Yeah, the Portuguese word sodad, that seems to be writ large on his books. I I devoured Black Boots and Football Pinks, his second one. And I actually wrote a book which I called Saturday 3pm, and I had to lop that title off. Uh, because he, because I, I couldn't compete with his. Uh, I think it's it's yeah. just genius, and they are the best kind of football books for the loo yes. in your for the for the bathroom of yes. a soccer fan to translate. No,
1: that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I live in
0: Leeds, so it's fine. Just just in case there are American listeners uh, to this, and and I spoke to Jonathan Clegg and Josh Robinson, who are about to put out a book on Messi and Ronaldo, and. Um, We mentioned the Men in Blazers, and as someone who views Peacock TV, you must love watching Rog and Davo.
1: I'm going to be honest with you, I never have. Um, I always look the other way when it comes to any kind of commentary. I mean, after and before each match, I'm on BBC Radio Leeds, you know, Mm. listening, and I follow a lot of the different supporter links that come up on my Facebook feed. So I'm reading more. More coming out of the UK than more based in the US, looking at you know the Premier League.
0: Yes, News Now is the place to go, and we're going to be doing a lot of then and now, which is well. The book has two strands really: then and now, and the person you've infected with your love for Leeds United. Because ultimately, you come off so well in this book because you have succeeded. In I say infected, but you you dedicate this to Deck, who has followed the family religion. Uh, my question is, isn't he not going to throw away all the video cassettes, or have you told him never to throw them away? Uh, man, I'm a hoarder. You know, This is the danger of collecting records,
1: right? Um, I, I can't get rid of stuff. And I think, I hope the record collection, I hope he appreciates it. I mean, he's 11, and he's in a massive Morrissey and Smiths phase right now, so it's like he's getting all of my vinyl but I think I kind of look at all the Leeds United-related materials that I have kind of in the same way, that it's, it's sort of family heirlooms. You know, they're much more than objects for me. And I know that whenever I see something, it's like, I've got to make space. He's like, no, Dad, you can't get rid of it. It's important to us.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate
1: that. a great he, He's kind of inherited my sort of object lust a little bit, I think.
0: Uh, for the last two and a half years, I, I've always said that the biggest compliment I can give anyone Uh, even better than your books, better than Fever Pitch. And I'm not just saying that because I haven't had Nick Hornby in here and we're we're 30 (laughs) years since the publication of Fever Pitch. Uh, But this chapter, we, two letters, we, is anthology worthy. If I were doing a kind of the best of the football (gasps) library, that chapter would have to be in there because, and there's so much to hate about football. And you talk about how uh, the World Cup is compared to a car show with its transitory spectators. There's so much to hate yeah. about the game, but the illicit or illicit joy of showing your son Leeds United football club is brilliant writing.
1: Wow, I'm I'm flattered by that. Um, I will admit to you, it's a good thing that we're not looking at each other. right. Uh, I get choked up in that chapter every time. Mm. Uh, I had to read it publicly recently, and tears form the right way. I don't. I take I take language seriously, and I think. It's easy. I see a lot of colleagues. Uh, One of my colleagues had students in his sports media class. He kind of assigned them a Premier League club to follow, and many of them started watching and following the clubs based on that. And I've noticed how easy the word "we" gets banged around. In many cases, part of me feels that we have to respect that culture of inclusivity of people who've been lifelong supporters, born and bred. And it took me a long time to embrace that term. I felt like an imposter and these days you know i can only make it over once or twice a year and that sense of being a tourist whether i want that term or not is imposed upon me so the fact that my son had this kind of eureka moment a revelation of being on this bus going to the city center to a match and just looking around it's like dad everyone's got lead 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 scarves on hats And that was a moment to see him, that Dex saw himself as part of something so much bigger than just the two of us. Because so much of our support has been very isolated. You know, the two of us plus my wife, you know, we just watched the Bournemouth match in our car on Saturday because he had a football tournament. But the we to me is important because I, I want to be supportive of that sense of community. And that's what means so much to me having Deck kind of walk down Beasts and and see himself amongst the fans and to see himself appreciating that and realizing there's a privilege of support there. That's been really important for us. Mm-hmm. So I take that concept in a very serious and earnest way.
0: I don't know if this is too big of a reach, but um, just reminding myself that you, you have an AARP card. Your dad was a naval officer, <laughs> a seaman. Marine Corps. Oh, of course, yes. And at this point, I yep. say thank you for his service. <laughs> nothing, to, nothing to do with you. You just got moved halfway around the world to Japan and then yeah. to the USA. But the armed forces are a kind of family. Religion is a kind of family. Are we seeing in the, And a lot has been written about this, so this isn't new. Uh, football fandom mm-hmm several tribes, one people. It's like the 12 tribes of Israel, except you've got kind of 92 professional tribes and you're in the Leeds tribe.
1: Yeah, minus minus the exodus, yeah. Uh, Mm. um, I'm a non-believer and I hate war. I have no interest in US military whatsoever. Uh, But the point you're getting to, though, is I feel like I've chosen my family and I feel that our taste, what we're into, and again, this is coming out of Hornby in many ways with high fidelity, but what we, where we identify and how we identify, I feel, to, to me, that's more important than family, than in place in certain cases. So in a way, I've chosen a community by accident um, in certain cases, and I do think that so much of our cultural interests certainly forms how we see ourselves and what we see ourselves being a part of. You know, I, I see this, this is odd. Every time I go on Facebook, I always read these things about female celebrities, you know, Brittany, in another string bikini doing these kind of Instagram images and how our fans are so protective. And what speaks to me about that is that so many people put their loyalty, their devotion, their faith, to go back to the religion point, into celebrities, uh, into music, you know, into bands, uh, into television shows, anime, for instance, or Rick and Morty, let's say, or Marvel yeah. And I feel that we find culture to be paramount in terms of how we see ourselves and the sort of world that we want to live in. In my case, it's Leeds United.
0: Well, the big cultural event of this festive season is Avatar 2. One, I fell asleep in Avatar (coughs) 1. It was boring. Uh, And two, I had a friend at college who um, was once photographed in blue paint because he wasn't a fan of Avatar. He was a fan of the Navi language. That was spoken and made up for that film. And so he's involved kind of the linguistics area and then got sidetracked and is in all the kind of avatarites are back in there as well. So everyone has their own little tribe. I'm in the Groucho Marx tribe, although I don't I don't believe that you can that that's a metaphysical conundrum. How can you have a club with a club that doesn't accept any members? and be a member of that club but no I, I went to Spurs a long time ago it's not Tottenham Hotspur anymore uh I've been to Watford for 10 years because I've lived here and I was born here but the club again it, it I, I love seeing the football club do well because it means the town does well but when they had the Harry Potter yep. universe where, which is another different tribe which is a mess at the moment um but yeah. we're, we're a hip-happening town in Britain we're, we're not a football town by any means um but I've been to Leeds. I was at Leeds United 1. Watford 6 in 2012. I'm not going to remind you. It's right. probably 10 years to the day. Um, Leeds down to nine men. Warnock showed us his arse. It was a, yeah. It was not a good time for, for Leeds United. But uh, to happier days, uh, because you fell for them by accident. Do you still have the scarf that your aunt gave you? I them? do.
1: Um, yeah, it's, it's my most prized object. I mean, hands down. Yeah, I still have this scarf. It's it's. I it's in my closet, almost like my little shrine I have in my closet. The scarf came to me as a Christmas gift in 75. My aunt and uncle were in Paris on holiday, and we know what happens in Paris in 75 between Leeds and Bayern. And my aunt was looking for gifts for me, and she came across, I guess it was a street vendor, how so I've imagined it. I've tried to confirm this with my uncle, but he doesn't. his memory doesn't work so well. Yeah, I, I love
0: that. Bit. And, yeah. Yeah, and she,
1: knew, she knew at the time I was taking an interest in this sport, I was playing in peewee leagues at five. And um, she got me a scarf because she was told that Leeds United are a great football club and I got the scarf and the joke for me was what's Leeds you know? <laughs> I never thought to ask where is this city located what's united about this but I wore it I knew it was associated with football and I wore it to a diplom- Washington Diplomats this is an old NASL uh, club and I, had, I remember I cannot tell you for the life of me what was said but I remember fans pointing out the scarf and sort of saying things about it and After that, it sort of went back in the closet. I mean, how on earth could a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, you know, going through the late 70s, find anything out about British soccer at the time? It was impossible. There was no way to do it. So that scarf sort of has two life moments for me. It's one, the gift from a loving aunt, and then the rediscovery of it when I started to take a lot more interest in the sport itself.
0: Yeah, which was the late 1980s, which was a fun time to be yeah. a Leeds United fan. The last champions of 92, Dave Simpson has written a yeah. brilliant book uh, about it. What did you make of Eric Cantona in 92?
1: So, uh, so he came to us from Sheffield Wednesday, if I yeah. recall correctly. Yeah. I mean, wow, the technique, the skill. I mean, yes, yes, you know. I do not I will say I don't think he was that vital for winning the title season. He came on halfway through. We had a good squad in that period, particularly our midfield. Um, you know, you could certainly say let's build for the next season, especially after the charity shield against Liverpool. Let's build around this particular player. And then um you know, he left. So that 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 moment never really occurred for us. I, I think so many people look at Man United and say, well, that could have been us in many cases. But I think the pockets are much deeper, you know, yeah. across the Pennines. Though. Maybe that's not the case. But, no, I, I thought when he was with us, it was a joy to watch him play. Um, I think the vitriol often arises around the comments he made, you know, open bus to all the Leeds fans about, I don't know why, but I just love you and then, you know, he's gone, so heartbreak, uh, disappointment Judas is often yeah. the phrase you used in that time,
0: that but exactly. I, I did
1: I really loved watching him play I will say that, back in that period
0: Well, you had a lot of talent there uh, and you got Lee Sharp not long after, in, in a sort of swap deal yeah. eventually,
1: so I think when Sharp came, much like, you know, when Ian Rush sort of limped yeah. over uh, was as well you know, there's that moment when maybe if Sharp was around, if we got him a few years earlier. I never felt he really gelled with the club that
0: well. And you have to, as we're seeing with, with the current lot and some of the kids. I, yeah. I only need to say Joe Gelhardt, who is maybe Leeds is his final destination, but uh, he might well move to greater, greater things. Right. But but Leeds, if if you want a football club where you are respected as a human being and a player. And you don't have the aspiration to play in a World Cup Finals like Calvin Phillips does. Um, Leeds is a perfect place to be because the history is there. The club has been bought through various different places, but it's still the same Leeds United. There is a common thread between the Leeds that you grew up watching in the 80s and the Leeds of today. So Deck can feel connected as a teenager to how you were as a teenager
1: yeah I know that uh you know my son's watched a lot of the footage of older players i mean you know here's an eleven year old who speaks about Billy brimner i mean that that blows my mind you know who talks about David batty you know these types of names that come together and I felt that if he's going to use the word we to go back to that he needs to know a little bit about the club so I often drop names and he's like well who who was that player dad who is Ian Hart you know who's Gary Kelly dad you know these types of names and I show him you know and it's kind of funny because especially watching footage of David Batty you know it's like that's that's a real footballer you know these moments of you know that's when they were hard you know and no one's falling to ground clutching their head before they even hit the ground and It's just, I I like that, that, you know, when you support a club, you're not just supporting a club for the moment, whether it's successful or unsuccessful, but there's a rich history that one has to inherit as well and be very aware of.
0: There are kids who just don't know that 15 years ago, uh, in 2007, I, I had this on a good authority, after Watford went down, Oh, it was 2008. Uh-huh. After Watford went down from the Premier League, we were in the playoffs in 2000. 2000- Sorry, I'm not going to remind you what happened in Cardiff. Do you yeah, remember? I was waiting for that. No, no, yeah. no. That's I, I just said I wasn't going to do it. But 2008, Watford were playing Hull in the uh, semi-finals of the playoffs, and people were so disillusioned that they just didn't go. And this tallied with something that Elton John had said that when Watford were in the FA Cup semi-finals in 1987, there wasn't the same rush for tickets that there was for the final in '84. Success. Kills you.
1: Mm. You know, on on that topic, I mean, this is something that I've I've witnessed for a long time now. You know, when we were knocking on the door of the Champions League final, when we had Nike as a sponsor, all of a sudden I'm able to find leads tops in like, you know, football shops in the US, that was unheard of in the eighties and nineties. Impossible to do that. And today You know, my first class. I always, when I start a new uh, class, I introduce myself and I do a little bit of background. And I always talk about Leeds United. And this was the first time I had students who were looking with their thumbs up, you know, pointing their thumbs up and talking to me about Leeds. And I thought, oh, it's because of Marsh, it's because of Aaronson, right? It's because of Adams. And I think, on one hand, the brand recognition has certainly gone up. That's great for the club. Uh, I think the uh, the board is very savvy to look towards the U.S. market in that sense. But I have to say, I'm always a little reluctant to kind of engage with those types of fans. It's like, well, how long, you know, how long have you heard about Leeds? How long have you had an interest in this club? And I don't know. I mean, I find it odd to just follow certain players or managers based on their national identity. So I find it kind of strange. So I have to admit I'm a little suspect of the, the newfound popularity in the States. I mean, for instance, uh, in the League Cup on Wednesday, they're broadcasting the Leeds-Wolves match before a U.S. men's national team match on ESPN. So I, I, it's clear they're trying to really, from the U.S. point of view, kind of grow a bit of a following around Leeds United at the moment. And I think from Leeds' point of view, that brand is picking up a lot of traction you know, yeah. in this country.
0: But it's, yeah, it's branding, and, and you speak as someone who has written academic books on video games and looking at particular branding. Right. I'm, not, I'm not going to ask you about Activision, but that's that must be a fun conversation that you keep having about the future of the yeah. video game. I'm more interested in this book, EA Sports FIFA, Feeling the Game, right, right. which comes out now.
1: It's been out. Um, Bloomsbury opted to do a hardcover first release, so it's ridiculously expensive. I think it's institutional-only
0: prices yeah. at the yeah, moment.
1: Yeah. I mean, th- this is a franchise that's been active since, what, 94, the mid-90s, and I think what struck us, my colleagues, uh, Henry Lowood, who's at Stanford, and Carlin Wing, who's at Claremont um, in California, uh, what struck, sorry, Scripps in California, what struck us was that there hasn't been a lot of academic work on a on a game series that sustains itself as long as FIFA. I think you could look at Madden as another example, mm-hmm. maybe... NHL uh, as another example, basketball games. But I think globally, FIFA's probably played more than any of those games. So that was our interest, that this is probably one of the long, long, longest standing series of games that has global recognition. So that certainly appealed to us in doing this book.
0: Well, it will be in the football library. I'll, I'll try and ask the academics for a copy or I will check a library maybe i'll come to indiana university in bloomington uh and stop <laughs> off in pawnee i don't know where pawnee is i know it's fictitious would pawnee be near bloomington
1: i have no idea you know my geography in this state is from my house to the airport to be honest with you yeah um, i'm not from the midwest i think it takes a certain person to enjoy living in the midwest i don't think it's me so, I mean, so I'm not the best person on kind of the region and local geography.
0: No, well, then Pawnee is where Parks and Recreations were set. They wanted somewhere homely that oh, Les- yeah. they could imagine Leslie Nope and Ron Swanson and my favourite, Jean-Ralphio, uh, existing in the same uh, idea. But it was a lovely show and I enjoyed watching it. Uh, and I enjoyed reading this book, Feeding Leeds, Notes on Loving a Football Club from Afar, which came out in September on... Pitch, it does have a Duncan Ulner cover. My favourite bit of the book is the jump cut from 1990 to 2002. So this is on page 64 of Feeling Leads. On any given week, you write, I can enjoy all manner of live football match coverage in the US. The Bundesliga, La Liga and Liga MX, that's Mexico, on ESPN Plus or Univision USA, Telemundo, Deport and Fox Sports 2, or is it Deportes? Serie A on Paramount Plus or Fubo TV. The Premier League's on Peacock and Fubo TV. The Copa Libertadores is on Fanatith USA and B in Sports. Scottish Premiership matches on Paramount Plus or via specific club. Channels and this randomly selected week does not account for other national leagues or lower divisions. Other weeks feature World Cup qualifiers, the Copa del Rey and the African Cup of Nations, or the UEFA Champions League and CONCACAF Champions League fixtures streaming across Paramount Plus, FUBO TV, and Fox Sports 2. The world is one big football stream. Swim at your own risk. There are certain things that have changed in how you consume football. Can you enumerate some of them?
1: Yeah, wow. Um, that's a, that's an exciting question. I know when I was trying to find results pre-Premier League, uh, I would have to get out-of-date, always seem to be out-of-date, copies of football magazines like Shoot and Match. Um, I would go to my local pubs and try to find out-of-date newspapers. There were a lot of these kind of little local rags that were published they often have tables or a few little news capsules on results the thing that i still find very very hilarious is there was a pub called uh, new scotland yard in tampa and it was owned by peter ward who used to play for forest before he migrated to the u.s and we would pay 20 dollars $20 to come in and watch whatever match was selected and these were being grabbed you know, satellite feeds at the time. Sometimes they wouldn't start on time. Sometimes they would cut out halfway through. But what I always laugh at is we would get halftime results and we would get sort of um, all the results after the match. And when I was doing the book, I thought, wait a minute, how did he do that? You know, how did he do this, say, in 88 and 89 and 90? He was calling a family member back in England and they were feeding the results where he had his pencil or pen out, writing them
0: down. He was and the video printer. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, it's such a, an, an
1: unusual practice. But I think the thing was, it demonstrates you had a lot of expats in the Tampa area. That, that culture of football is so strong. People don't give it up just because they move. You find these sort of vital lifelines. In that case, it's the British or the Irish pub. You know, that's the place you have to go for cultural survival in certain cases. So I found that a lot of my means of extracting information, if you will, was having to have my own routine, you know, to be at the pub, no matter what match it was, just so you can talk to people. And in Trinifan magazines, uh, local newspapers in the U.S. at the time had real no interest in the sport whatsoever. I think it wasn't until the U.S. hosts of the World Cup, that things got a little bit better. But, I mean, it, it was pretty dire circumstances. I used to call, call the actual club shop to get results. I mean, I always imagine this, this person on the other end, you know, who's like filling orders or stocking T-shirts gets this call from an American. It seems like on Wednesdays, you know, what was the latest result? What was the League Cup result? And that's the only way we could do it. I mean, it was really, whenever I would see any supporter with a top on, uh, regardless of the team, I would want to strike up conversation just to see what little bits and pieces of news they might have. So they were really slim and desperate times. And I have to say, I think the kids today sure have it easy, right? Oh, you you you.
0: <laughs> to get a Leeds shirt, you had to write an air mailed letter and wait just to get the catalog and then fill in the yeah. catalog order and wait again. So the whole process must've taken months. Now, football is everywhere all the time. You can't switch off from it unless there's a World Cup in a desert yep. in a stadia built by slaves. You've got to tell me this <laughs> Damned United story because this is, again, another masterful story. Uh, by the way, both the book by David Peace and the script of the film by Peter Morgan are in the football library. I prefer the script oh. to the book.
1: When Damned United came out in the US, I really don't think it had much of an impact. I think if anything... The crowds that were interested were the ones to watch the main actor, whose sadly his name escapes me right now, for his historical Michael representations. C. Right? Thank you. So oh. uh, Frost Nixon, I think, had a lot of traction. Um, what was interesting, though, of course, you know, I, I read the book. I was I ordered it from Amazon UK in order to get a copy first, and um, it was playing in New York. I mean, that's the perk of living in New York. You you get so much, right? And my wife and I went to the Upper, East, Upper West Side um, to watch it. And what was interesting for me was I was actually kind of like butterflies in the stomach. Um, how often do you get to go and watch anything related you know, in a cinema, for one thing? I brought an old scarf with me, and I insisted we get there early. We got in there, and I was going to drape the scarf on the back of the cinema seat. I realized, wait a minute. I'm not the only one who had this idea. I mean, it was a beautiful scene. There were about maybe 20 or 30 fans that had the same idea that I did, to mark the territory with Leeds scarves. Uh, there was not a single Darby or Forest scarf anywhere to be found. And the joke for me was, you know, Leeds always brings more. So even in cinema, we outnumbered the opposition. And it was just such a pleasurable event to think that, you know, for those of us who don't have the luxury of walking to the ground or taking a bus or a train, you know these little moments are precious, and they're they're not you know they're they're not just fleeting. But we hold on to those moments. I still have my ticket from that. I can still see that whole experience, despite not being a huge fan of the film. But to see actual footage of Legion United from the glory days and to be amongst other supporters, I mean, it was just a magical, magical moment for me.
0: Tim, thank you for that, uh, Tim. Spaul as Peter Taylor was excellent has Dex seen the film yet or is he still a bit young um,
1: I don't think he would follow it I think he would I think if he did watch it he would say dad is that really Billy Bremner <laughs> right. in relationship to the possibly challenged casting of that um, no he hasn't I mean I, I just he has a good diet of old footage by way of a YouTube
0: clips yeah it's all on YouTube it. including um, a transcript of a video cassette of the 8990 second division title, which uh, we mentioned those cassettes earlier, you still have it, even though you've yeah. digitized everything and it's YouTube. Yeah, it's
1: shocking. It's, it, I mean, this is what I find so shocking. Going back to the point about how easy it is today, right? So I cannot tell you how many matches I've had to watch on an iPhone on the sideline when my son has a tournament or I'm watching in my car. I mean, this I just find absolutely amazing. The fact that a lot of video cassette footage that one could have purchased on a video cassette in the '80s, early '90s, all of that's now available on YouTube. You know, so we're really we're really spoiled for choice. I mean, when Deck and I we were over in March um, to watch a match, and we were just over recently for the uh, home match against Arsenal. What was amazing was on the flight. So we got a flight from Indianapolis to JFK, then JFK to Manchester. What was amazing was that kept pointing out, Dad, Dad, look, he's Leeds. Dad, look, he's Leeds. I thought, what, did we, like, charter a flight? I mean, there were so many Leeds supporters on the flight. I'm assuming we're all going for the same reason. It was Norwich at home. Um, Not that Norwich is a big draw, but we were all going to watch the match. And, I mean, even leaving, you know, a few days later back through Manchester, again, Leeds fans on the plane. I thought, wow, you know, the idea of we're everywhere um, certainly feels to be the case these days.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it reminded me of, uh, just you saying that, all the Irish fans of Celtic going over on the ferry to Glasgow. So this is kind right. of a maximal version of it. Uh, we mentioned Danny Gray earlier. There are these vignettes that you mentioned writing yeah. LUFC or Leeds United Rules on a sandy beach, sticking up stickers in public places. Yeah. The scrapbook. This is this is what the football library was invented for. These fan um, compiled scrapbooks of matches that you've oh. attended. Uh, is Deck gonna do yeah. his own?
1: Uh, I think when he gets older, yeah. uh, I've been doing it for him a lot, and it's a, it's a real special you know a special book for him. He was I think his first match he was uh, six I believe two thousand seventeen. He was very young I think for his first match, but he stood the entire time. And he's saying his heart out. I mean, that's what impressed me. We were both very hoarse after that match. The, the scrapbook, I, I, I know it's kind of an outdated practice these days when so much of our life is lived in social media and our images aren't being printed out, right? But I wanted him, as he gets older, to have kind of tangible documents. So the practice, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of the tickets we get for matches are by way of our phones. So I have to then print up the, the, the ticket on my phone as well. I wanted him to have markers of time. I wanted him to have little souvenirs of the actual matches he's been at. I always buy a copy of the New Post so I can clip out you know, the headlines and some of the reportage of the match we just saw as well. And I have a really special object in that scrapbook where we were at the Doubletree Hotel in Leeds. I forgot which match it was, but he wanted to buy me a pint in celebrating the results, so I took the little... Cardboard coaster and marked it the first time my son bought me a pint in Leeds of all places. Right, so it was a beautiful moment. So, I'd like to pass that tradition over to him. But I feel in a way I'm kind of documenting his own history in this scrapbook, and uh, it's just it's a special practice for me to do that because I'm so pleased that he has an interest in this and that he wants to be a part of this of this insanity in certain cases.
0: And don't forget, every religion needs a set text, a sacred text. A yes, there, you,
1: there you go. Yep. It's our new news testament. Yeah,
0: and also the I love the the lead spotting. I love the meet cute with your now friend Ian, uh, all because you were wearing short sleeves. And he spotted your yeah. tattoo.
1: Ian Kimbri is a beekeeper in, Santa, in Venice, uh, California. And I was in the Santa Monica market one day. Um, I had these, uh, like a sleeveless shirt on after working out, walking through the market, and somebody stops me. And I, I hear, is that a Cebucio tattoo on your arm? That I have to say, that was a very specific question because I'm quite heavily tattooed. And um, the fact that somebody picked that one out and actually knew the name of it, that impressed me. I mean... I could hear he has an English accent, so we—I thought off right right away that we're going to start talking about the game, and then I mentioned the, the top is yellow, the shorts and the socks are in white, that it's meant to be Leeds United, and that was the moment of recognition. It's like you support Leeds. I said yeah, he goes, I do too, and you know he's he was around in the Revi era, so I mean he has a wonderful scrapbook. Speaking of scrapbooks, so we began a friendship that was 2006 in fact i just bought him some gifts uh when we were at one of the lead shops um a couple weeks ago i just put that box in the mail this morning in fact so you know we're texting during matches uh we try to meet up at least once a year he has a lot of old cool stories he shares with me and my family and you know one day we're hoping that we're both physically able to go to a match together um you know, spending so much time in Southern California, Ian doesn't like cold weather. So I'm always saying, "Hey, let's go over in March." He's like, "No, I'm thinking more May." You know, so <laughs> it's tough to pry away from Venice. You know, that's the that's the challenge I face. Oh well,
0: once you're in Venice, you can't get out. That's where I saw that uh, <laughs> exactly. the, the T-shirt where it says "Dooby Dooby Doo" Frank Sinatra. That I'll always <laughs> remember from Venice Beach. Uh, the book is "Feeding Leads, Notes on Loving a Football Club." From afar, we don't have time to talk about your record collection and uh, about the time you bumped into El Loco in a lift, which is a great story, all in the book. But I just wanted to mention this line, walking to the ground with your son. It doesn't matter if it's Ellen Road or Vicarage Road or Forest Green Rovers ground. Remarkable in its ordinariness, even the dull stuff about this book, which you say is a cathartic jam session. It's remarkable in its ordinariness and I know Leeds are extraordinary, but may the ordinariness <laughs> continue uh, for many, many seasons. You're a top-tier club in a top-tier stadium and I'm pleased you've sorted yourself out, uh, Mr. Orta, Mr. Ratrattani, and for the moment, the gaffer. Who knows for how much longer because it's crazy, but yes, he's only been there six months or eight months. Don't sack him yet. Who's who's there? Dice probably don't well yeah
1: that that name was being touted a lot i thought oh god no way no way i mean i'd rather let march stay in in terms of not making a desperate move the... i mean i i was i was a bielsa follower so you know tears were just flowing when he was sat but i will quickly say one of the frustrating points with Bielsa is he's such an law you know, He believes in his philosophy and believes in his system. He wants players to fit. I have really enjoyed the last two matches at least, seeing Marsh actually make some vital changes, and that's been really
0: refreshing. Ah, well, um, you've got the break for the World Cup. Uh, good luck to, uh, for the USA against England. Uh, who knows what will happen, but yes... Um, thank you very, very much indeed, Ray, And uh, have a good rest of term as well.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Johnny. I really appreciate all of this. And, and thank you for the incredibly flattering and kind words you've said about... I'll the edit
0: it out. like <laughs> the <Wow. laughs> Just
1: like the
0: library! Just like the library! Just like the library! Shh! <laughs>